And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You'll be the best and you gotta pay no price. If you want it bad enough, you gotta do a little extra things to get it. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodrigue, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond. Rich, how we doing? Uh, not bad, Jordan. It's a, it's just a Monday night. I thought I'd jump on, and you know, I don't really have a lot to say. There's not a whole lot going on, but uh, just just your standard uh, three game losing streak uh, after Super Bowl aspirations and hopes. Um, everything seems pretty calm and rational. Um, how was your trip? Should we do some breathing exercises again? <laughs> I felt like that went over well last time. Like that was a. Right. Yeah, right. we I need think, a we need a bed of like that that just like waves like ocean waves just just yeah. under the uh, under the podcast. Can we do like a rant? Like now as the Rams continue to expose their brand and try to market themselves within the city of Los Angeles and beyond mm-hmm. globally, even shall we say? Yes, I think a partnership with the Call Map would be timely. Oh, absolutely. To be quite honest, yeah. Yeah, I could I could hear like less need voicing some of those uh, some of those uh, things that help you calm down. People probably don't want to hear from that guy right now. Yeah, probably, to not, be probably not. Probably <laughs> not. Yeah. Jordan, you know it. It kind of hit me. We're we gonna talk a lot about this loss to the. To the so Packers. much to talk about. Oh my gosh! But I, I'll tell you what. Something that hit me in hindsight a little bit is that I'm fortunate to you know do a couple radio shows and that they're always so kind to promote our work and, and your work especially. Or and by the way, if you haven't already read Jordan's column on the Athletic app and website, please go and do that right now. You could even you could even pause our podcast and go read it right now as long as you come back to our podcast. But but one thing that came up during the bye week right. and a couple of the, now these, <laughs> a couple of these hosts asked me is. You know, it's kind of the general question: what's what's going on with the Rams right now, Rich? And and you kind of like, oh, okay, it's kind of a cliche question. But then as I run it through my head, I'm like, you know, there wasn't one thing, there wasn't one thing that I looked at and said, wow, they've really got to get this fixed. It's more like there's this, and then there's this, and then there's this, and then there's this, and they're all not huge things, but they're all pretty big things. And it occurred to me later that that probably wasn't a good sign. Uh, when you had that many question marks going into a game, going into the second half of a season. And Jordan, I got to be honest with you, I didn't get anything answered. Uh, that game, after a bye week, after the Rams had a week to reset, to evaluate, to self-scout, as they always do, uh, to make changes, I didn't see a whole lot there. And I know we're going to get into some of these specific details, but it was, to me, a huge letdown coming out of a bye week when Sean McVay had this big, you know, rah, rah, we're going to come out. I forget what he said. Not we're going to come out swinging, but we're going to, you know, whatever. It was a big, big push. We're going to come out for the second half of the season. And it just wasn't there, Jordan. Yeah, there's even a roadmap over on theathletic.com. Five point plan. Five points, not three, not four, not six, just five. (laughs) And... 
it's really, it's simple stuff, simple things that are fixable. That's the thing that I think rightfully is driving fans, especially based on what I'm seeing on Twitter, driving fans crazy right now is that the things, it's very clear, the things that are needing fixes in this entire, you know, Rams front and back, offense, defense, I don't even know if I can get into special teams without my eye twitching today. But, oh, we will discuss it. Um, you know, I, I, like it's, it's fixable things. It, it was for, you know, one major thing is, is playing a clean game, not turning the ball over. No, didn't, didn't accomplish that. In fact, did it in the worst way, which is turning the ball over early against a team that can control the ball against you, which again, is, I don't know how many more times I can say this or write about it plays right into the hands of how to beat this defense. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, we're, we're going to get to every phase and there are things to, you know, these things that were fixable in the passing game, there are things that were fixable, um, maybe not in the running game, but there was some nuance there that, you know, we were realizing and people are maybe coming to terms with a little bit more. Um, there are, are still guys who are onboarding into the system. Um, there's just a lot of things that were, you know, special teams. All you needed was consistency in each phase. You didn't need to do anything crazy. Um, the Rams threw out, you know, like their sixth or seventh kickoff returner, you know, on, on Sunday. Uh, punt returner as well had a fiasco happen. You know, it's just all kinds of things. It, all kinds of things where you just got the sense that it was a small list of extremely fixable items and rest to boot that would yeah. come. And it just went again off the rails too early in the game. Um, to the Rams' credit, they fought back in that first half. And I think in phases, fought back. Um, defensively, defense played a really good fourth quarter, in my opinion. Um, and the defense had inconsistencies, but overall, you know, kind of were put in crappy positions over and over and over again as well, but not a perfect system by any chance. We're going to get to that as well. You know, the Rams were just down three points at the half. There was, there was a chance for them to get back in it. And then there's a pick six that gets thrown. There's a muffed punt. Um, just, just, just things that are avoidable drop passes, missed throws, certainly missed throws, missed reads, um, you know, just things that things that can be fixed. We're gonna get into some of the ways that they can be fixed. But Rich, it was 19 degrees in in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Oh, uh, when I walked out of Lambeau Field about 11:30 uh, at night after filing Lovely. my column, mm. you can read it at theathletic.com. The pile, and I just thought to myself, you know, not just because I was lost in the stadium, by the way, but mm. what the hell happens next? No, you're right. And and Jordan, I want to make something clear. And, and you you put this so well, I mean, weeks ago. It's the idea of having multiple thoughts in your head at the same time. And I understand that's what that this it's, podcast is gonna be about. If you're it, too mad, if you're too mad to do that, I get it. I right. respect it. I'm right. fine with it. Don't worry about it. Come see us later, come visit us later, <laughs> uh, put us in your earbuds later. <laughs> right now, there are gonna be a lot of things, a lot of things discussed that can be true at the same time. Right. And that's what this podcast is going to be about. It's what a lot of our podcasts are going to be about. Some of you hate it. Right. Some of you love it. We hope that you uh, we hope you it? like us at the end of the day anyway. But that's what this episode is going to be about because there's a lot to right. unpack here in a lot of different ways. 
Right. And it to, to me, it's it's one of the scourges. I was going to say the scourge of social media, but it's one of one of the scourges of social media is this idea that it's, something has to be either or. It either has to be this or it has to be that. It either has to be the Rams defense that is causing the problem or it has to be the offense that's causing the problem. And guess what? It's both. Both and special right now. teams. Oh my gosh! Even <laughs> that's that's all other. Yeah, we we could we should just start our own special teams podcast. Like we could just talk about that every week. But but we know this stuff, Jordan, and it, it's like everybody. I, I get it. You're passionate about one thing or another. You're you're passionate about that Raheem Morris should get fired. You're passionate that that uh, Matthew Stafford is terrible and they made a mistake. Like, but it's not one thing, and and that's to uh, to my point a little bit earlier. That's kind of the problem here. I mean, like you said, Jordan, there's a lot of small fixes that need to be made. But I I think when we looked at this Rams team a year ago, sitting in record-wise pretty much the same kind of position, there weren't a lot of questions about the defense because that unit was performing very well. A lot of the questions, most of the questions, maybe almost all of the questions were centered around Jared Goff. And was he going to be a quarterback who could elevate this team? That was that was pretty close to a singular problem or at least a singular issue that we could discuss and one that really wasn't going to get rectified during the course of a season. Now we're in a situation where there's a lot of different stuff going on here on both sides of the ball. And a lot of it goes hand in hand, Jordan. And, and I just thought coming off of a bye week, coming off of two consecutive losses. I don't know what I expected to see. I'm not going to sit here and say that I thought there was, uh, you know, something that was foolproof, but I just thought I'd say, see something. I, I thought I would see improvement in certain areas. And to me, in a lot of cases, it just looked worse. Yeah, I think um, I expected them, and maybe it's because I've not been around as long as some other folks, but I expected them really to come out and swing the way that it was so adamantly put that they would. Um, right. And and that's not to say that they didn't f- try to fight back. And even when in adverse situations, like there was some moments where you thought maybe they could turn it around, right? And really kind of maybe take over. And particularly going into halftime, just down three, like that's – you can build something off of that. You can make something off of that. But then at a certain point, you start realizing that the wheels are just going to keep falling yeah. off. You can stick them on with as much glue as you want, but there's not, you got to, re- you just the, the, you got to rebuild in, in parts of it and you got to come up with a new frame for the car to keep the damn wheel on. Yeah. And I think like that's in, that's in both phases. They were to me, we're, I know we're going to dig into this a little bit deeper. We'll probably talk about the offense first, Rich, but I know we want to talk about the defense as well because, again, this very much went hand-in-hand. Mm-hmm. Last couple games, especially when they're turning the ball over early, has this has gone hand-in-hand um, at, at times. And I'm not counting the long, methodical drives that are extremely problematic, um, but – when you turn the ball over early, um, you're gifting the opportunity for a team to control the ball against you on the other side, um, particularly if you can't get off the damn field on third down. And so, you know, we'll, we'll get into that. I'm not going to – I'm trying to really keep it dialed in and not go off on these ram, ramblings uh, tonight. But I think, like, to me, they were outplanned, outschemed mm-hmm. um, in terms of what Matt LaFleur called for his offense um, – 
definitely wrote about that in my column. You guys should should check that out. Um, yeah. And we'll get to it when we talk about the defense. But definitely was were out schemed on that side of the ball against the Rams defense, which should not be happening when you've got the players that they've got. Right. First of all, right. um, then on the other side, again, when the wheels fell off early, um, you know, Matthew Stafford said something interesting that he, Sean McVay actually stuck to the original game plan as true as could possibly be expected. Um, he said that post game, he came right out flat out and said that. And he, and he said he appreciated that because it didn't feel like anybody was panicking. And I think that's part of the reason you saw what they were able to maybe muster up in that first half um, was sticking to as true of a plan as possible than, you know, turning the ball over. And yeah. I think, you know, there were – there are some real – there's a real conversation to be had about quarterback play at this point in the season. Um, there's a real conversation to be had about – some of the fixes that they need, in my opinion, absolutely need to implement and things that I asked Sean McVay about tonight when he had his, his post uh, day after press conference. Um, and absolutely a conversation to be had about the way that Matthew Stafford is playing football right now, which is um, over the last three games, over the last month, about um, stark, stark regression from how he started the year, which, you know, he starts the year in the MVP conversation, starts the year this offense has opened up um, horizontally and vertically. And I think that's what, as a football fan, not as a Rams person, as a beat writer, but as a football fan, right. there's so much possibility there that's being squandered. Right. And we saw what the possibilities were. And what the potential is with the way that they opened up this season, not in terms of the numbers they put up, not in terms of his EPA, not in terms of the MVP conversation, in terms of what schematically they are doing and were doing, saw what the potential and the possibility is. And, and knowing that that potential and possibility still exists, if they can just clean things up, yeah. that is um, that to me is what people maybe are and rightfully should be frustrated about. Yeah, no, no question about it, and and we we have to dig into this. And but Jordan, you're right. You, you said there, you know, how much so many of these things go hand in hand, and and you're absolutely right. And I know a lot of people who are listening are going to want to hear about the defense, and they're going to start getting upset that we're talking about the offense, talking about Matthew Stafford. But again, it goes back to multiple things can be true at the same time. And like I think a good place to start just on that is the fact that let, okay, let's mention something about mm-hmm. the defense straight out. It, it, you said it's a three point game at halftime. It's 20 to 17 Green Bay gets the ball they drive 75 yards for a touchdown take almost half the quarter off the clock not good not good at all that's a problem uh and it's a problem that's popped up over the course of several weeks nobody's trying to downplay that nobody's trying to say it's not a problem nobody's trying to make apologies for anybody it is a problem however Let's also look at what happened in the first half, what put the Rams in that 20 to 17 deficit in the first place. And a lot of it was the defense being put in terrible situations. You start with a uh, strip sack fumble that puts the ball at the Rams. Where did it get to the Rams six? Yeah. Uh, yeah. To, to start a drive, you start a drive at the six yard line, two plays later, three plays you, later, you let, touchdown. You let, Aaron Rodgers start a drive at yes. the six yard line. No, it's yes. not just any anybody. Aaron Rodgers. You know, yeah. It's not Sister Sally out there. You let Aaron <laughs> Rodgers 
start right. a drive right. at the six yard line. Even with his bad toe, he somehow managed to uh, to to fight through it. Uh, so seven to nothing right there. And then you 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 look at uh, later on the the mistakes the the field position that they get put in. Well, I know we'll talk about the fourth and one play that that Sean McGann and whatever whatever opinion you have on that, and I respect both sides of that. I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit. Uh, puts the ball, gives Green Bay the ball at the Rams 29. They uh, the defense actually does a good job there to hold them to a field goal, and it's only 10, uh, 10 to nothing. But you're in a ten point hole, and and how much of that was on the defense? And how much of it was on the defense being put in a situation where you really can't win? You, 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 are, you are defending the ball in a position where the other team is already at least in field goal range, uh, if not easy touchdown range. So you're, you're almost asking the impossible out of the defense uh, in that situation. And, and then, of course, uh, you know, and I know we'll talk about a, a pick six again that, that happens for the third consecutive week. Uh, and, and again, that, that's not even getting into a, a lot of the things, Jordan, that, that you do um, a, a good do- job talking about every week is uh, those quick change situations that might happen or a three and out situation where your defense is not put in the uh, best situation. These are not a positive. Apologies. These are. This is not making excuses for anybody. It's. It's meant to illustrate that things sometimes go hand in hand. Just as I should say, the way that a defense can adversely affect an offense. It certainly goes both ways. Uh, but Jordan, we we have to talk about Matthew Stafford, and and uh, you know, uh, it it it's a problem. Uh, we we talked during the first, however many weeks you want to say it was. Uh, about how well Matthew Stafford was playing uh, and how he was elevating this offense and how good everything looked. Uh, and those things were true. But now, for the last three weeks, hasn't looked good at all. It has not looked good at all. And Jordan, there was a report before the game, a couple hours before the game, from uh, ESPN's Diana Rossini saying, I, I, <laughs> it's hard for me to say. It, it, it was it was a it was a general uh, uh, report that that Matthew Stafford has been dealing with some debilitating back and and elbow um, issues. There, there was no specifics in terms of a timeline. There was no specifics in terms of a specific injury, but it indicated pretty pretty generally that the guy was playing hurt, right? And Jordan, this is something. And people need to understand this. This is something that you and your fellow beat reporters have been asking about on a regular basis since you've known that there potentially were some issues with Matthew Stafford's back. And at every turn, from Sean McVay to Matthew Stafford to whoever else stands up at the podium, including yesterday, saying it's not affecting his game. It's Is he 100%? No. Is it affecting his game? No. And... I have to take them at their word for that. I have to take them at their word that it is not affecting his his game. And if that's the case, then we have to evaluate Matthew Stafford the way that we would evaluate any other quarterback. And in this case, not good. Not good over the last three weeks. And I'm not even talking about the pick sixes or things like that. Missing receivers. Uh, not not making plays down the field. Uh, it it just hasn't looked good at all, Jordan. And I I don't know. I, it it's not to say that this can't be turned around, uh, and that he can't get back to where he was. But this is a huge problem for this team. Yeah, I think, like I said, I think it's fixable, and that's the frustrating thing is right. all of this stuff is fixable. Whether it's 
coming down to, which uh, multiple times it's been very interesting because multiple times it's not just been, you know, Sean getting up there and saying like, or or even Matthew getting up there and saying like, you know, I saw this and uh, I made a bad throw. And, and Matthew puts things on himself and just like kind of how Sean does and all that. But you also get the sense that some of it, you know, there are some timing issues at times. Uh, Matthew's not see- maybe uh, getting to the correct read on the field that they um, would maybe prefer in certain scenarios, um, you know, kind of doing the things that, again, like this is not, I'm not a um, instant reactionary person. It's why I hate social media so much. Um, you know, I, I recall very clearly talking to you, Rich, on this space and, and beyond about how like some of this was not going to be pretty, um, right. how we right. needed to have a realistic idea of Matthew Stafford and the potential for highs and the potential for lows that would come with installing and learning this new offense and then executing and um, being, you know, kind of his experience and who he is and the injuries and all this stuff. And um, I think that that, you know, that's a very realistic and nuanced conversation to have where you also hold the fact that they went and kicked the doors down the first few weeks of the season mm-hmm. um, with this new offense that they're running, which looks very dissimilar to a lot of the old concepts that they were running Um pre-snap and at snap but as they unfold you can kind of see where the where the roots are and I, I wrote about that extensively and in depth um, earlier in the season um the problem is is like there are to me obvious fixes for some of these things and there are there's even efficient ways to fix multiple problems at one time if we can hold it as a truth that there are multiple problems happening at one time, not just Matthew Stafford throwing ball to wrong person or to <laughs> opponent or to right. air. Like right. if we can, if we can just say it's probably like most things, it's probably a little more complicated than that. Um, in turn, like first and foremost, in terms of the the injury stuff, um, you know, want to make it clear that if just if you guys don't hear something in the first minute that something is reported or released, like it's not for a lack of extreme effort that is that is happening on the other side like i wish that one day we could just do a whole podcast about how information is actually disseminated throughout the national football league mm. um, oh takes, boy takes the form of a pyramid in fact that would and, be fun and i and like <laughs> i um i think like there to be quite frank too and there there's in my mind there's merit to that report in terms of Right. No, I don't think he's a hundred percent. Now, would I sit there and and sort of say it's debilitating to the point of um, extreme concern? No, I would not say that. Actually, based on multiple conversations with people that I've had since then, and I don't think that necessarily. I mean, I get like I'm definitely not re- refuting that report at all. Like, I do think that there's absolute merit to the fact that he's dealing with a variety of aches and pains as a 33, what, 33-year-old quarterback at this point who has been through hell in terms of some of the hits he's taken, some of the things that's happened. I also think, though, that, like, we also have to just look at this if they are willing to present it as such in in that he is not taking any snaps off in practice because he's not on the injury report. And this is something that I'm sure – since this was put out there, I'm sure the league is going to be looking into this to really mm-hmm. make sure that he's taking all of his snaps. Um, 
in practice and that they're not, you know, faking injury reports or any crap like that. That's just mm-hmm. Bush League. And like they, you know, he is not limited in practice. The only time he was limited was when he did have the back issue in week nine. He he cited that. Um, he admittedly said he's not 100%, but he, quote, doesn't know who is. And a couple guys talking about, like, yeah, you know, he's a warrior. Like, he just battles through things. And Sean McVay talking about how, you know, he doesn't believe it's affecting his play. Matthew saying he doesn't believe it's affecting his play. Um, and, you know, not – first of all, not taking any snaps off. Also, being in the game – Late in games that are already decided, um, that San Francisco game comes to mind um, before the bye. Being in the game so late, um, even when there was no chance of the Rams coming back. You know, things like that that are kind of like, all right, well, if you're going to do all of that and it's going to be officially reported on the sort of NFL legalese way of reporting this stuff, then I'm going to, like you said, I'm going to have to – I'm going to be skeptical, absolutely, because that's my job to be skeptical. However, I'm also going to say, all right, well, if you want me to evaluate you without any quote-unquote injury sort of tinging my perspective um, and any of sort of that pity that comes with it, then you are not playing good football. His EPA per per dropback, his EPA per pass play has tanked. He still somehow is fifth overall in the NFL among quarterbacks right now, which is insane to me because it just shows how high the highs were of this offense. Um, Because over the last three weeks has just tanked, completely tanked and thrown, you know, turned the ball over six times. Five of those were interceptions. Three of those were interceptions for touchdowns, spotting teams 21 points in razor thin margin games um, in terms of, of, you know, the, the dichotomy of the NFC and that kind of thing. Um, not great, man. Just not great. And the thing that I think I keep coming back to, and I'm not even going to entertain some of the shit that I see on Twitter about this that's just lacks nuance or whatever. The thing that I keep coming back to that I think is the extremely fair and rightful reason for frustration is A, the turnovers, yes. Because what it does, the ripple effect that it causes in every phase of what you do as a football team. But also um, the fact that so much is possible. Right. That so much is possible. And they went at an all out sprint, not just toward this guy, but to get away from something else because right. they were going for that possibility. And so now, now that you have a guy who you have the bravado of saying he can do anything and everything, he's done it all, seen it all, done everything there is, and I can I can mold him into like my ideal being and like we can do all of these things. Um, and, and like collaborate with each other and, and have a great relationship with each other. If you're Sean McVay, like, well, you then do it. Then you, those, yeah. there are, there are fixes here, Rich. And, right. and this right. is something I directly asked McVay about today. Um, it's Monday evening when we're recording this is something so simple. It goes back to what I was saying. If we can, if we can think, if we can just sort of logically accept that multiple things are true about the problems that this group is having, particularly the interior offensive line blocking in in um, the dropback game, which we saw against Tennessee was a disaster, um, and then other teams have tried to imitate with with reasonable effect. I think, uh, particularly on the interior, which is important when you're only dropping back. By the way. <laughs> Um, well, we'll get to that too. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and you can take that as, as a truth for something that's maybe being 
a little bit of a problem right now. Um, you can take his own play, his own timing, his own decision-making, all of that as a truth. You can take the game where his receivers drop five passes, couple on third down. Some of the timing is not there, um, not just on their end, but also on his end. I'm not going to pretend to know, especially on some of the choice stuff, I'm not going to pretend to know what the exact hitch to step timing is, is supposed to be on that, but I can only assume that it's at times a shared, you know, a shared blame. If we can accept that as a truth, if we accept as a truth that these guys are not able to consistently sustain drives, it's either shooting it downfield for 50 plus yards or going three and out most of the time over the last couple of weeks. Um, if we accept that as a problem as well, because again, that does little to spell your, you, you love explosives, but that does little to spell your defense if you can't balance it. If again, in comp in tandem, if you can't also sustain drives in complement to those explosives and sprinkle in those explosives in an efficient way that allows your offense to be successful while also working as a complementary attack with your defense, how these things go hand in hand. If we can accept all of these things as true, you know what, Rich? There is a simple fix. There is a simple fix to all of this. And no, I am sorry to say it is not running the ball more. Damn. Uh, Damn. I'll tell you why they probably can't do that in a minute if you have not been tracking the athletic.com's findings on this. Um, but it's getting the pocket moving a bit. It's running the action. It's something I've been asking McVeigh about for the last two weeks. Um, he says absolutely he is comfortable with continuing to move with with doing more moving the pocket. And the thing is, is I get it. I get it. This offense changed dramatically. The ethos of this offense, not sure. just structure, but the ethos of this offense changed with Matthew Stafford and with Sean McVay and his like, you know, rejuvenated self or urgent enjoyment self that he's, you know, trying to be. It it changed to he wants to drop he wants to hit the drop back passing game hard. He wants to go empty. He wants to spread the field out wide. He wants to spread the field out long. He wants to throw at the shit downfield. And that's great. If you have a quarterback who can do that, again, right. holding multiple things in the brain at once. We know Matthew Stafford can do that stuff. Right. We know that. Right. If you have a quarterback who can do that, something by the way that previous guys could not do, which is right. again, fine. They succeeded at times in other ways. But this was the direction they want to go, and you have a quarterback who can do that. So, yes, you are going to do that as much as you can. I right. got, I get that. I understood that. However, when it comes time to fix all of those problems I just mentioned at once, right. all of them at once, in fact, not just fixing those problems, but then establishing a rhythm, getting the timing going, um, sort of getting the cogs moving in different ways and – um, just developing that sort of flow and that sort of um, that that dance that happens on offense and that that sort of the brush strokes that happen um, in a very rhythmic way that makes sense that helps players click in and I, I described it to someone today is like it's it's like those um, the toy cars when you have the little electric track and the little um, like the little trigger you hold in your hand yeah. and then like one wheel goes off the track and the car still goes <laughs> the car still goes but. Right. Putting it on the track fully will make it go faster. Right. So it's it's like that's what implementing some of the play action can do. Mm. Now it doesn't have to be from under center because they again they're adamant they want to continue with the drop game. They want him out of gun. Like they're adamant on it. That's fine. Right. They started sprinkling when Sony Michelle specifically is on the field. 
they in this last game, they started sprinkling in some of the gun action. Matthew Stafford has been f- just fine in play action from under center or from right. out of gun in his right. career. He's been good at in play action from under center or from out of gun. Like this is not something that's new to him. He can do this. Press Sean McVay on this today, and it's and he said, yeah, this is something that the coaching staff has been discussing. And you could see it. You could see them trying it a little bit just to dabble more um, in, in, uh, in in this last game, a uh, couple couple of snaps. And I was like, oh, Sony Michelle's on the field, and they're starting to get the action going a little bit more, and it's opening up a little bit. And mm-hmm. that was, you know, he hits Cooper Cup downfield, and Cooper Cup's finally getting involved in the game and, and all this stuff. Doing that fixes so many things because you're taking the stress, first of all, off your interior offensive line that first that's actually built for for a previous era of what this offense was doing right. with Jared Goff. And again, like, please, guys, like multiple things at once. Like it it's not that you should now be spamming the play action. That's also bad. Right. Like it's all right. about not not being one dimensional in the past game. And if you've accepted to this point, and again, they seem to have somewhat accepted between the injuries to Daryl Henderson that are constant. And again, pops up with a quad injury um, this week, the injuries that are constant, the fact that they are among the worst in the league in the run game, attaining yards after contact, despite running about at the midway level for in frequency. So they're they're running the ball about at the halfway point in the league as, you know, 16 other teams in the in the top 16 20 other teams. They're they're running the ball with that much frequency, even though it doesn't look like it or feel like that at times. Right. But they not only have one of the um highest negative rush or neutral rush rates, which means a negative play or zero yards gained, um one of the highest in the league at that point. They're like 29th in the league at that point. And they also are among the worst in yards after contact, which means the hole can be there, but the backs are not then shedding that first layer, that first hit, um, and getting to the second level, getting even, you know, past that, that hole essentially at a rate of high frequency. So that tells me that a, the back's not healthy, um, and B not, maybe not explosive and certainly not as explosive you want it to be. And you certainly cannot be running them up the gut on third and two and then fourth and one, <laughs> by the way, yes. um, that cannot be your recall design if you're doing these types of things. But you have found that you you now can't be, you can't have the level of dimension in the run and the pass game that you wanted, that you thought you would have when Cam Akers was still healthy, by the way, which I right. wrote about in July, by the way. Um, you You don't have the dimensionality in the run game first of all, and you have to face that fact. So you can't, even if you want to, like I would bet my apartment that Sean McVay actually does want to run the ball a shitload more than he's running it right now. I don't think they can. Like I legitimately do not think they can. And I think they know that they can't, but they can't say that they can't because that would give away a blatant competitive advantage to anyone who is scouting them and listening to his, they have people on their staffs that are listening to the press conferences and reading all the clips and all this stuff. And and so, like, you have to accept that you lack that dimensionality, that multiple dimensionality in your run game. So now you have to continue to open up the dimensionality in your pass game. And you've been bragging about the fact that your quarterback can do all of it. Right. So do it. Right. You don't have to spam it. But doing it in a way that establishes something, establishes rhythm, helps sustain drives, helps just it, it, the ripple effect. Again, if we say turnovers have a neg- negative ripple effect – 
doing things like this has a positive ripple effect in the sense that it, it, it alleviates your line that's built for a previous generation of quarterback. Um, that you, that McVeigh was working with that was spamming play action. It was built for that for that sort of horizontal movement. Um, it's it, it, it's it's helping your receivers establish that timing because again, when you're in the action like that, some of it you just get into that flow and that rhythmic sort of um, puzzle piece starts unfolding downfield. You're alleviating different types of pressure that's coming from the interior because your line is not handling it. Um, Matthew Stafford can make those throws. He can do those things. He doesn't even have to turn his back to the defense because he's been doing it out of gun. And studies, multiple studies since 2018 show that you don't need, and this is the important word here, you don't need a dominant, quote unquote, a dominant run game to establish right. an effective play action game. You you do need to run the ball, yes. I will never argue against running the ball. Right. That's been some a misconception that I've been uh, trying to explain on Twitter for the last two weeks. I'm not against running the ball. Running the ball right. is good. Right. Um, but you don't need a quote-unquote dominant run game. There's no correlation statistically between a a reasonable or effective um, or even just a frequent run game and a successful play action game. That was yeah. my rant. Yeah, no, and 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 great. I should have been taking notes. Um, but it, yeah, it's and and I think the frustrating thing is that that's the sort of thing that when you look at a bye week, um, that's the, where you should be able to sit back and self scout and see that sort of thing and start to make those adjustments. Maybe you don't correct it all in one game. Maybe you don't fix everything, uh, but you start to trend in the right direction. And I just didn't see it in that game. Uh, I, I agree with you a hundred percent about the uh, the play action. Um, and, and I, I think, uh, the, the, the word that you use there is important in terms of the successfulness of successfulness. That's not even a word, is it? The success of the run game, uh, doesn't have to be dominant, but it does have to be a presence. And, and I think that's, I think that's the rub here. And I, and I think that that's kind of the middle where, um, people can reasonably, uh, disagree is that I, I certainly agree when when you look at things like uh, efficiency or you look at uh, some of some of the yardage that they're they're not gaining and you can say okay this is kind of a problem and I certainly would not base my my offense around this because of that but at some level it's still sort of a necessary evil uh, you still need to be able to at least show that and and when you have a game where you only run the ball 10 times uh, you're not really showing it and I know the situations got out of hand there and circumstances were weird but but even if something isn't isn't efficient necessarily uh, there it, it can still have some value to it and uh, but but I certainly agree that it's it's not and I've never made that argument either just like the same way you You've never said that running the ball is a bad idea. I've never said that running the ball is the best way to move the ball uh, or that they should be a run first team. That's not that's not the argument that I'm making. It's just that in, in order to I think in order to accomplish some of these things that you're that you're talking about, there still has to be a little bit of that balance there, even if it's not the most efficient thing in the world, even if it doesn't look pretty sometimes. Uh, but you, you still have to show it enough uh, to, to make some of this stuff work. Um, the, the thing that concerns me is uh, it just, it, it, let me let me say it this way. 
a lot of the, and we talk about social media, and I, I know a, a good portion of our listeners probably aren't even on social media. God bless you. Congratulations. Don't <laughs> don't ever join. Uh, but but the, uh, unfortunately, a lot of the uh, a lot of the discussion or the debate comes back to Matthew Stafford versus Jared Goff, and it's just a, it's a pointless argument that I don't think anybody should be trying to make. Um, but the the problem here to, for me is that we're back to our kind of trickle down thing right like and and also jordan i'm i'm starting to see a little bit of revisionist history on this and and i i kind of want to squash it before it gets going here right you know you go back to last year the the consensus i think we could say was that the rams needed to upgrade the quarterback position okay they went out and did that they made a big swing they got Matthew Stafford. They gave up two first-round pitch picks, which let's just ignore those right now. But what they also did was invest $44.7 million of salary cap space into the quarterback position, which the Rams can tell you that salary cap space doesn't matter. And to a large extent, they've made it irrelevant, but it still matters at the end of the day because it's a hard cap league. You can't You can't go over a certain number. So there's a certain reality to it. So what the Rams did in that situation is they pushed their chips right there. They said, this is important. We are dedicating so many resources to this position because we think this is the position that needs to be upgraded above all others to make us better, to put us over the top, to take us from the 2020 Rams who were slight slight overachievers to a Super Bowl team. This is the move that needs to be made. And what they did somewhat strategically calculated was they took a hit on defense because of it. Uh, I'm not saying it's a direct line comparison, but John Johnson goes out the door. Troy Hill goes out the door. Michael Brockers goes out the door. Um, you suffer some losses there. You suffer losses in depth because now you're asking guys on both sides of the ball to step up. Guys who were role players before, guys who were just special teams guys before now being asked to play bigger roles. Why? Because you've invested a ton of money into your quarterback position. I'm not saying it's a mistake. I'm not saying they made the wrong move. What I'm saying is if you do that, your quarterback better be damn good. He better be living up to exactly what you promised. And if you're Sean McVay and you're sitting there and saying, this is my guy, if you're calling Stan Kroenke on the phone and saying, hey, Stan, or he says, Mr. Kroenke, Mr. Kroenke, we've, we've got to make this move because this is the one. I'm sorry you just gave Jared Goff $134 million, but we've now come to the conclusion that Matthew Stafford is actually the guy that we need. Then that better work out because that is the big move that you made. And we can talk about other stuff. But at the end of the day, that's going to be the move that this season is judged on. And there's still time. I'm not, this isn't the obituary. This isn't the, the season is over. Because if they do a lot of the things that you're just talking about, Jordan, that you I mean, just, just do so, one, just do one. Don't start with one. Start, start with, with one. one. Yes. One of the five, five items. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's time. And, and I understand that a lot of people are, are mad and, and ready to throw in the towel. No, no, no. It, uh, there, there's, there's problems, but there, but there's time and, and, and the pieces are still there. But, and I know we're going to talk about the defense and we're going to talk about special teams, but to me, Jordan, and, and 
people can fairly disagree with this, but you you need to get that quarterback position right above anything else. And if that's going to continue to be a problem, then I'm not sure what it means for, for any of the other problems. Because to me, that's that's the front of the line. Yeah, and I think like you saw how much it could elevate uh, overall, how much the tide of, of an, imp- an improvement that was vast, so vast at the beginning of the season exactly. through the first, you know, the first, almost the first half of the season, about the first half of the season, um, you saw um, how much that could rise as a tide and lift every other phase. I mean, special teams has been a disaster. Defense um, has not been consistent. Um, in fact, one of their best games was probably in a loss to Tennessee. Um, but overall, this group, um, and probably, you know, Tampa, I'd probably spot on Tampa too. That's, that's pretty good. Um, no pun intended. Um, but I think like, um, I think like this, this offense, like that was erasing the, the negative margins and the other spaces. And that was exactly what it was supposed to do. Exactly. We talk a lot about how, I have talked about this um, ad nauseum at this point um, and written about thousands of words on this, about how this team build works and how everything is linked together in this ecosystem. And you can really see it in terms of what a a high wire it is and what a high wire it it is that they walk Mm -hmm. in making moves like this when the things that are expected – in other phases of this ecosystem are not happening. And what I mean by that is, again, the turnovers really, I mean, like think about it. Think about how much could be solved if there was, first of all, not a pick six for the last three games, but if, if they were playing clean football, if they're playing clean football and not putting, you know, the other side of the ball in adverse situation. So, it goes hand in hand because if you build your team in this way, you are also now asking of players who are complementary, not just by contract, but also by skill set. They've been sought in complementary for their complementary traits to the core players, the core contracts who are in every phase on offense and defense. And now you are asking them to, to step up in ways um, and teams, if if there is one flaw in the Death Star, um, teams are going <laughs> to try to expose the other ones. And mm. this is what I say when I talk about um, uh, how teams are attacking not just the Rams as a schematic structure, but as a philosophy as well. Yeah. Teams are finding that they can attack as a ph- philosophical, like they can weaponize the Rams' own philosophy against them if they can force the Rams to stumble over themselves early in the game. Then on the other side of the ball, they can play ball control. Um, what I mean by that is they can sustain long drives, keep the ball out of Matthew Stafford's hands. So not only does he have to then they feel they have to. I don't believe they have to, but they feel they had felt that they have to only come back by attaining those explosives that again put pressure. They're great. Don't get me wrong. Two things yeah. at once, guys. Like right, right. they put pressure on the defense. They're great. They get points and all that. But they also, for the Rams' own defense, you're back on the field right away. You're losing time of possession. 
So if you can get the Rams to stumble over themselves early, which three weeks in a row, three games in a row, teams have have gotten them to do, then you play ball control on the other side. Then, because of the way your team is built around these core contracts, including the quarterback who's put you in the hole to begin with to where you are able to play ball control and then further pick your spots on key passing downs like the 49ers did, like the Packers did, then you can further expose the team build philosophy because now, now you are able to spam toward the players who are in these complementary roles, particularly with your passing downs that move the ball when you need the ball to be moved, particularly yeah. on the third downs that have been such an issue for this defense and containing the last couple of weeks, particularly the first half. And you can spam toward Troy Reader. You can spam passing plays um, particularly because, and this is hopefully a segue into this topic, you can spam Troy Reader, you can spam Taylor Rapp, you can you can capitalize on players who have not been making plays for the Rams, which is the difference, one of the differences in why that particular phase of the team build could not be capitalized on even when the offense was turning the ball over last year because the defense was making plays when right. complementary players were attacked. Right. So teams teams were wise to this already. Mm-hmm. They were turning they were turning the ball over like crazy last year the Rams were. And teams were again trying to do these types of things. But the difference is that complementary players were stepping up and making these plays. Right. And it hinges on um the steepness of, or it, it exposes the steepness first of all of that learning curve that the Rams are asking those players to take on. It exposes how top-heavy they are on the offensive side because you have these key losses of players that could help you sustain these drives even when the shit hits the fan. Johnny Munt, uh, Robert Woods. Um, right. You know, it, it exposes a lot of different things about this team built hell. It exposes uh, a lack of experience, youth, and honestly, um, lower, you know, of lower caliber draft pick, lower draft picks – um, that you're now working with on special teams. Absolutely. It affects every single thing. These turnovers, I'm telling you guys, it's it's part of the reason why they drove Sean McVay so crazy last year. Not because they're happening in general, which was, you know, which is terrible in the first place, but because of what they expose as a ripple effect because this ecosystem is so tightly interlocked yeah. and balancing on this razor thin wire. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When, when people ask me about this, the Rams and the way that they're built, and of course you've been writing about this for months now, <laughs> about 18 months, I guess, but uh, it, it's, it's not that they can't do this. It's not that they can't pull it off. It's just that that mindset, and it is a mindset, it's a mentality, it's an ethos, exactly what you said. It is very difficult. It doesn't mean you can't do it. It just means you when when you when you commit so much and I'm not, I'm picking on Matthew Stafford and I'm no I don't mean to pick on Matthew Stafford but it's what he represents he represents 44.7 million dollars in cap space and when you do that when you commit that to one position just as an example we could throw Jalen Ramsey in there too we could throw Aaron Donald in there too yeah when, but when I would you, say I would say Jalen Ramsey has not let anybody down with his play to be no, honest no like, no yeah. but but, but <laughs> no and you're 100 yeah. percent right but but I, I guess what I'm saying is when 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 you it, it's it's all about resource allocation, right? And and when you say you're going to allocate that much, re, that many resources into certain areas, there's there's it's not it, it, it's a zero sum game. Like that, you're going to take away from from other areas where you're when you're going to trade first round picks. That means you better hit on third round picks and fourth round picks and fifth round picks. And the Rams have at times. Jordan Fuller is out there still playing out of his mind as a sixth round pick. But that's what you have. That has to become norm, not the exception. You need, you then need Troy Reader out there or somebody like Troy Reader making plays. You need Taylor Rapp making plays. You need some of these guys who a year ago were luxuries or guys who are just kind of uh, uh, complimentary guys, like you said, they now need to be able to step into these roles. Guys who are getting plucked out of special teams and being put into bigger roles, they have to be replaced by guys who can be reliable special teams players. And that's where the rub is on this sort of thing. It's, It's not that you're putting all of your money or resources into one area. It's the trickle down into, well, then what does that mean for your, for the positions that you don't uh, maybe, maybe put as much money into? And we know the Rams 
don't put a lot of money into safety. They don't put a lot of money into inside linebacker. That is their philosophy. And that's it's it's fine. I'm not criticizing the philosophy. It's just that when you do that, then you, like you said, Jordan, you are showing other teams, okay, hey, this, this is what the Rams value. This is where they put their resources into. So we're going to attack some of those other areas where it, it seems pretty clear that there's, there's a little bit of a, a, a talent uh, gap, we yeah. should say. So, and, and that that to me is the issue. And that's and it's well said and rich like it's when those types of things happen you can't have certain things come to light. You can't have a drop off in coaching and talent development. You cannot. You can't have a drop off in schematic planning of those players. You cannot. You cannot have a drop off and and this goes both sides of the ball. You can't have a drop off in adjustments made. You cannot. You are that's a part of the ecosystem too, is development and coaching. And you cannot have a drop off in any one of these phases when you are this far along the high wire, balancing this much of an ecosystem that's again all interlocked and spinning like cogs around your head. You hmm. cannot wobble. Yeah. And you're holding a tart. And it can't you can't wobble. <laughs> and and so like that's that's the thing. That's and and I and I'm um I think for me, it's been fun covering this high wire act because I think it's exciting. I think it's counter to what the league tells everybody they have to be. And I right. think that is very cool in, in that regard. If it doesn't work, we, you know, you learn something from that as well. But I think that so far it had been working. And But it also, these last three weeks show you how clearly and precariously balanced it is because if one phase is not working, the other is not. And then it also shows you that how – um, how savvy teams have gotten when they, how how competitive this space is, particularly good coaching staffs, good planners, good schemers, when they are exposing weaknesses of that sort. Now, I'm not right. saying that Matt LaFleur or Kyle Shanahan or Mike McDaniel, I'm not saying that they're sitting in their offices and they're like, you know, oh yeah, you know. Let's let's attack the philosophy. Mm, quite. Right, like, right, right, like right, they're right. not doing that shit. That's not happening. Right. Instead, it's it's like okay, this is where they are weak. Let's attack this point. But where they, I think, deserve credit these last two weeks, those guys and their staffs in particular, and their players deserve credit against particularly what the Rams are doing. And and I'm going to point out the defense in this regard because it's a the best way. They're two offensive-minded head coaches. The best way that I can sort of paint this picture, but it's also happening on the offensive side as well, um, in terms of the lack of adjustment from McVay and all that. But but the best way I can paint this portrait is the way that these two offenses, in particular, have attacked those weak spots over the last two weeks because they found a combination. Again, a lot of it predicates off of being gifted field position, being gifted turnovers, being gifted yeah. a deficit or in their case, a lead, a Rams deficit, being gifted these things, waiting, biding their time, waiting for the Rams to F up first, and then executing what they would then have as their perfect plan, not being forced themselves to move to their plan B or C or D. Now, those are perfect conditions for another team. When you present another team with perfect conditions and they've got a plan A of this nature, they can knock out, and again, I'm talking specifically their offense as the Rams defense, they can knock out something that eliminates several phases at one time yeah. of the Rams' plan. And what they've been doing for the last two weeks 
or two games at least. And you know, you even saw the Titans trying to do this, but they, you know, the Rams defense played a heck of a game that game. Um, but particularly San Francisco, particularly, and we talked about what San Francisco did with their Joker players and all that. But Green Bay, Green Bay does not. Uh, San Francisco doesn't have really verticality in its offense, right? So they had to you do things like put Debo into the backfield to remove him off of Jalen Ramsey, um, or to remove Jalen Ramsey off of him because then your you, you Jalen Ramsey would not be playing downhill into the presented run game, especially if it's going to be a re, you know a play action or an option or something like that, right? And and Garoppolo was uh, was getting the ball out quick, so Jalen kind of stay in the middle instead of you know try. We we covered all of that. Well, the Packers do have verticality in their in their offense. They have Devontae Adams. Uh, they had Randall Cobb for the first half. Alan Lazard. They've got Aaron Rodgers, and um, they also were dealing with an embattled offensive line. So mm. what they did, similar to what the 49ers did, very very similar to what the 49ers did, except with an element of verticality where the 49ers were very compacted. Um, what they did was they said, "Hey, Aaron." We're going to make you – we're going to have you kind of stand in the middle of the pocket. We're going to have you drop back. We're not going to make you do a deep drop. We're going to have you drop back um, instead of running the action that LaFleur still does love to, to, to run. We're going to have you drop back on a larger percent of your passes than you have in since LaFleur got here. Um, we're going to have you get the ball out, the fifth quickest in the NFL that week, get the ball out of your hand. We're going to have you target short routes, very intermediate when you do pass the ball. We're going to set you up with the run. Even if you're on a third and medium or a third and long, we're going to have you pass the ball um, into the intermediate phases. We're going to motion players away from, from Jalen Ramsey. We're going to have you pass the ball on these little quick quick passes and dump off passes. Um, for the most part, we're going to have you do that, um, getting the ball out faster than you normally do because second fastest in your career, essentially, just like Jimmy Garoppolo, um, you're going to have you do that not only to alleviate your embattled line that's going against Von Miller, Aaron Donald, and Leonard Floyd. Um, we're going to have you you alleviate pressure that way between the drop back and the quick dump, um, which sounds really kind of gross. The quick the quick out, the quick pass, whatever. Right, yeah. Right, right. Um, between all of those things, and then we're also going to effectively scheme with our pre snap movement, and then with where you are putting the ball. Um, and the way that our route combinations are being run, we're going to spam the philosophically weak spots on the field, which is mm-hmm. non-Jalen Ramsey combos. Non, you know, obviously they're already trying to counter what Aaron Donald's doing with what I just described. Spamming the inside linebackers, um, setting Troy Reader up on third down mm-hmm. in space, like spamming, uh, you know, non-Jordan Fuller safeties. Um, you know, running misdirection plays. And now I will say like they did target, you know, Jalen, they were moving Jalen Ramsey all around the field. He was on Devontae Adams five times, or excuse me, on uh, seven, seven routes, no, 25 of uh, 48 routes run, uh, allowed five catches for 41 yards, according to next gen stats, which like, that's a good battle guys. Like to me, that's a really like five catches. Okay, sure. But like, that's right. a good, that's a good battle to me. And then, you know, speak nothing of the, the Aaron Rodgers uh, um, run toward the end zone that Jalen was trying to shed the stack on and, and didn't get there in time. But like, you know, that's, that's a, that's a solid battle. But in the, in the majority of the other, they're spamming the parts of the field that the Rams philosophically did not invest in as a part of the team build. Right. Right. And 
no, I don't think Matt LaFleur is sitting there like, I'm going to counter their philosophy. Yeah. Right. Like, no, he's not doing that. That's, but he's, he's scheming a, a smart game against the very blatant weak spots of the field that are not stepping up and doing those things. Jalen Ramsey uh, is sometimes in spots, you know, they're, they're putting him in spots that he needs to be in. And other times there's no, there's no counter. And that's right. where I ha- that's where I have issue. And when I talk about the drop offs in you can't have drop offs in in what you're doing schematically, especially as it correlates to your team build. You can't have drop offs in talent development specifically as it correlates to your team build. Like again, it's like I it's it, this is nuance that we certainly would not be putting on Twitter. But like <laughs> as it the phrase that's key is specifically as it correlates to your team build. You cannot have drop offs in that regard. Right. You have to have a third counter move. Right. Especially if they're able to use their perfect plan against you, you have to have a third counter move. You can't be allowing those things to happen on third down. You cannot have Troy Reader in pass coverage on third down. You cannot have him in the flat. And and these are the things that get me, Jordan, because and and it goes back to it's a the great way to put it third counter move. But it, it to me all of these things that you're describing, and I'm not a coach. I've never I've never coached more than flag football. But to me, they're all reasonable things. Like if, if I'm looking at the Rams, I would say, yeah, that's how I'm going to try to attack them. I'm going to try to isolate Troy Reader. I'm going to go after this person. I'm going to try. These are not. With all respect to Matt Lafleur and and Kyle Shanahan, these are not revolutionary right. things. I mean, these are things that it's if football. you're looking, it's 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 pretty standard football. So I, I guess that's when when we talk about you know Raheem Morris and some of the things. Yeah, there are certain things that there there are certain personnel issues, and I, I believe that's true. Uh, but I think you also have to be able to look at that and self scout, especially coming out of a bye week. And I know I'm harping on that, but when you've had time, when you've had a week. How can you not come out with it like you're like you're hinting at Jordan? At least something in your pocket. Uh, you, you may or may not need it, but but if you if you get into a game and you see teams are starting to attack you in a certain way, and you go, uh oh, this is this is going to happen again. They're going to try this. Uh, you, you have to be able to to counter that to to at least try something. Uh, and and the Rams really, uh, you, you never like to see uh, felt terrible for Randall Cobb going out in the in the second half. But my goodness, the the way that they were attacked in the first half, uh, Green Bay was just able to do any number of things, and it didn't look like the Rams had anything to counter it and of course the game changes a little bit in the second half because Cobb's not in there and it, it changes the, the look of, of their of their offense but that was just what 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 got me Jordan and I was actually going to ask you about that is is how you know when we look at Raheem Morris and we talk about some of these maybe personnel issues and yes you do have to rely on a Troy reader and there's not a whole lot that you know Raheem can do about that but but there are certain things I think given your personnel understanding what your team is understanding what your defense is there are still things that you can do uh, to help yourself right yeah and it's not going to be blitzing on a quarterback who's getting the ball out right fifth fastest in the nfl that week like it's not going to be pressure like and and you know i'm not saying that's what they did but that's usually when people are like oh how do you how do you you know oh they people see oh you had no sack you had one sack Oh, that must mean you weren't getting pressure. No, the Rams' defensive line got 15 pressures on Aaron Rodgers. The thing is, those aren't going to turn into sacks because he's getting the ball out fast. Exactly. And he's doing it in a way where the route concepts that they they unfold intricately close to the line of scrimmage 
and create leverage points and stacks and different types of things where he can get the ball out quickly um, to a receiver that then has a little bit of space. And and that's not enough, by the way. It's also not enough to have that plan. It's also, oh, yeah, and then the Rams are going to miss tackles in the intermediate. Or it's Aaron Rodgers. He's going to put the ball where only one person in the world can catch it. It's the receiver. So, you know, again, you have a week. You have a week to figure those types of things out. And it was, you know, don't let me take away from from what the design of this plan was for Aaron Rodgers. Next-gen stats, I've got it pulled up now. It's 96% of his dropbacks were inside the tackle box. Okay, so automatically that's, you know, you're kind of – Things are are going to close in around him, but he's going to get the ball out quickly. So it's it, you know he's four point four scramble yards per drop back, like you know second lowest of his career since since twenty sixteen. So he's not trying to move the pocket. He's he's literally just trying to get the ball out of his hand. Um, and then he was also in the gun. And so they knew they know this defense. Obviously, Joe Barry is running that defense over there. It was a whole other conversation. Um, Joe <laughs> Barry is running that defense to great effect over there. Um, and they know they know this defense, but more importantly, they know what this defense is not. They know what tendencies were um, being sort of discovered and extrapolated and capitalized on by Brandon Staley, specifically the designer of this very specific defense. And I'm not trying to pile on Raheem. He is a different person with a different style of, of doing things who is an inherited, who inherited this year a defense that he had never run. Now, you can ask questions of a lot of people in the building who thought that that was going to just be, you know, totally fine. But what you're seeing is some of the things, particularly some of these third downs, where the tendencies used to be like crazy preyed upon by Staley and some of the pressure designs that they would do and some of the things that they would do um, and some of the things that did make this defense effective and makes the phases and philosophies of this defense work, um, you would see. You, you don't see those same particular things. You don't see them praying and asserting. You see them reacting. And that's, that's, a, huge def- that's a huge difference in this defense. Right. And I'm not trying to – nobody said that Raheem was going to come in and be Brandon Staley. Nobody expected that. It's unfair. Right. Um, it's super unfair. You could even argue that it was unfair to hire a guy and expect him to run a defense he has never run before. Um, but at the same time, it's like there the the – there's no third move. You know, yeah. Rich, you and I were talking about this um, off off air earlier, um, how there just there doesn't seem to be a third move when something is happening over and over and over again to you and you've established what your plan will be, then they establish what their plan will be, mm-hmm. and then you then have to reestablish based on the adjustment and it does not seem to be an effective third move. Now, now I'm not going to put all this again. I'm not going to put all these – these problems on the defense. I'm just saying that that is where structurally you can really point out where the uh, sort of discrepancies and sort of the weak spots are when you do pack things heavier around this team build in that regard. And when you do execute a philosophy in that way, and when one phase, when things are going wrong in one phase, what the ripple effect can be then thereafter, particularly when you are having a drop off in certain development of players and certain 
Um, you know, and and you don't know long term. Again, like don't know how some of these guys will be longer term. But in terms of the learning curve, they have to hit this year right now to be quote unquote all in or whatever people are saying. You know, like yeah, it's just not. It's that's it's steep and it has to be hit and it has to that has to happen combination of of development and and it has to happen schematically. And so teams are exposing that, particularly when the Rams turn over the ball. And teams are are exposing this part, this sort of um, the way that that they can be beat over and over and over again. And you don't, I'm sorry, like, I get it. He's playing well right now. Like, you could be Jimmy Garoppolo and beat this defense in that way if you are gifted the opportunity to execute your perfect plan. Again, how these things, holding multiple things at once, how these things work together. If you are gifted the opportunity to execute your perfect plan, you can you can be a guy who nobody considers among the elite quarterbacks in the league, um, and you can still beat a defense that has Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Leonard Floyd, Von Miller. They can get pressure. It's not going to affect you if you can scheme it a certain way. And then when you talk about adjustments, this is a different game plan on offense that Matt LaFleur ran than anything that he's done with Aaron Rodgers ever, mm. ever. They didn't have a bye week. Aaron Rodgers didn't even practice that week. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He showed his foot to the world instead. Yeah. And then he just didn't practice. Yeah. And, you know, it's this is a different game plan than anything that they have run with Aaron Rodgers. This is the type of thing that you would expect, not maybe of this level or this specific situation, but when you hear Sean McVay, and nobody's Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers is one of a kind. For better or for worse, one of a kind. Right. And like, I'm not, I'm not trying to compare Matthew Stafford to Aaron Rodgers, but I'm saying in terms of we bring it all back to the offense, ability to evolve in real time. Yeah. Not yeah. just the quarterback, but the coach as well. Yeah. Yeah. Know, know your situation. Know what you have in your pocket. Know what you can reasonably do. Know your opponent. Um, and and you know scheme to that sort of thing. And I, I think that that is the frustrating thing about this defense. I don't, it's hard for me to say what anybody's expectations were because we're talking about thousands of people and everybody has different expectations. But my expectation was not that this was going to be the number one defense in the NFL. I, I think that's wholly unreasonable um, to think that that was going to happen. I expected a regression. I expected a natural regression. Even if Brandon Staley and the entire defense had come back, I think you could have expected something of a natural regression. And that didn't happen. You lost Brandon Staley. You had to bring in your third defensive coordinator in three years. You lost some very important pieces on that defense. You lost your signal caller in John Johnson. And that's not that's not a slap on Jordan Fuller. It's just that, that John Johnson was a big part of that defense. Michael Brockers was a huge part of the defense. Troy Hill was a big part of the defense. So I, I expected some regression and and everybody should have. But it's these sort of things that you're talking about, Jordan, which is within the within that context, within the context of you know that this defense isn't going to be perfect, uh, you can still 
do some things out there. You can still you can still self scout. You can still adjust either from week to week or, or within a game. And when you put like to to put a fancy bow on it, Jordan, when you couple those issues with the issues that the offense has been having and putting defense a defense that's already having some issues in putting them in these in these difficult situations, it's just a recipe for disaster. And it's it's not tenable uh, for for a team that that is trying to win a Super Bowl. And so that's it, it, I guess that's our theme but it's just these these things go hand in hand and uh, they're they're not big they're not big problems i mean they're big problems but they're not unsolvable problems and and i think that's that's the issue here but at some point i look time's running out i mean it's not i'm, I'm not saying that the rams are in danger of missing the playoffs i know people are starting to say that uh, fortunately for them the nfc is pretty top heavy so they're they're still two games clear uh, right now and and they have time and they can get this turned around. But uh, Jordan, we even talk about special teams, but I, I don't know. I, know, I kind of don't even want to at this point. Like, but what is there to say? Yeah. I mean, it, it's I don't have anything left to say. It's a disaster. It's just a it's disaster. unacceptable. Yeah. It, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't. It, it, and I, I'm not smart enough to know, like, how much of it is is personnel? I, or, I mean, they have two special teams coaches. You're paying two special teams coaches, uh, but three. And, They've got three because Dwayne Stukes is also coaching. Well, you're right. Assistant. Yeah. No, you're right. That's a great yeah. point. Yeah. So I mean, you've got three three guys, uh, and you just you can't. I mean, they're on there. I'm looking at it right now. They're one, two, three, four, five, seven, seven kick returners this year, and some of it is obviously you know Tutu got hurt and Jake Funk got hurt and Skoranek's out now, but. I mean, some of the stuff, I just, I don't know what's going on there. Like you're trying to put JJ Koski back there because I don't know. I don't know what was going on with some of the stuff I saw. Like he saw, he was going to put Odell back there on punts, but then Odell couldn't do it because of his hip pointer. So they had like, what? This is an NFL team. Like how can this stuff be happening in in the 12th week of the season? And like, it, it matters. We joke about it a lot. Um, because it's our brand, but I mean, this, this stuff really matters, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what there is new to say. Like, it's just, it's the same stuff. Yeah. They had been walking on a line where it had been bad and inconsistent, but it hadn't like technically cost them a game. I don't, again, I don't think that turnover is the reason they lost the game. It is part of the reason the game got out of control, Right. but it's not necessarily the reason they lost. But um, it's just the part of the problem is the lack of cohesive plan moving forward at any phase. But the kicking game, the kicking game is great. Good for yeah. Matt Gay. Right. Um, so they've got they've got that set and figured out. But I feel like, um, you know, it's it's just. I said it. I said it in my call. I'm surprised nobody's comments on this, by the way. I'm disappointed in you guys. I was hoping at least one person, uh, you know, at least the Kamenetsky bros, like I thought at least they would say something about this. <laughs> says like a Pavlovian puckering. And I don't mean a face puckering. Like right, every time right, right. special teams takes the field. And not the kicking game. Matt Gay's been doing great. But it's it was insult to injury too. And again, we talked about the team build. But it's like insult to injury too. And like Corey Barack was like flipping the hell out of the field. And like it's just all of it, all of it, and 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 then the fumble, and you know I feel for JJ Koski because he shouldn't. You could argue he shouldn't be out there in the first place. I mean, That's he's right. had what two weeks of starting reps there, and 
these guys are getting coached really hard. They open practice every day. They've stayed late doing that. Like, you know, they, I don't question the effort that the coaching is putting in. Like, I don't question Jody Camille's effort that, that, that he's putting into it. Right. It's just the consistency is not there. And you don't know really if it's just mental mistakes. You don't know how much of it is just losing guy after guy after guy, not just to the bottom of the roster churn, but also to injuries and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. You just don't – You. it's hard to put your finger on any one aspect of it because there's so many moving parts of it and it's such a compounded play opportunity that, that it looms so large in your mind. And it's just – it's just all they need is to be consistent. They don't even need to be good. Yeah. They just need to be consistent. That's all they need. Yeah. And I think like it's just – it's every – that's true of every phase. I think they have the talent on defense and on offense that if they are more consistent, play a clean game, they maybe get off the field a little bit quicker on some of these drives. Like they, they could go from – being a little bit wobbly to being outstanding if yeah. if you know one or two more tackles are made in key situations right um you know the takeaways start having it but again like we go back to it teams are putting the ball in the ground more because they're playing against them because they are playing with a lead because the rams are turning the ball over on offense mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so all of this again it goes back to it all of it's connected before we sign off I have three three points of interest that I thought might interest you, Rich. Okay. One, one is coming back to what you originally said because you know my eyes been twitching ever since you brought up that fourth and one. Yeah, I was going to mention it. Yeah. So, oh yeah, I, again, I respect the argument against it. I respect it. I don't. I'm not going to like. It's fine I, if you disagree with with me, guys. Like, it's totally fine because I I really could see it either way on this. Strictly analytically speaking, strictly analytically speaking, is the right call to go for it on that fourth and one on the 29? Strictly analytically speaking, in that scenario in the game um, in particular, it was the correct call to go for it. And I was actually stunned that Sean McVay, most conservative fourth down coach in the NFL, mm-hmm. did go for it on right. that. The problem is the play menu is lacking, it seems, on those not just short yardage situationals as we saw pretty much all game, but certainly fourth and short, um, the play menu is is severely seems to be lacking, or at least the selection is severely lacking. Because again, we talk about the running back stats, the third and two, um, when you don't convert on that, because Adrian Amos so easily shoots the A gap and then yeah. does it exactly all same. the same play on fourth and one, and you're already your running backs already you know averaging among the least in the uh, league yards after contact. Um, and your your center's banged up, and you're going with an a gap run. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah so there's I my don't. there's my one point. So I I agree with the decision. I did not like the call. I thought the call was atrocious. And it, again, the call, in my opinion, not the decision. The call to me is what spotted them that field position in another uh, another three points. My second point, and I'm kind of ties to my third. So it's like two and a half and three. Okay. There is a really interesting study going around on social media, which is good for some things. Uh, Twitter is mostly bad, but is good for some things, including you guys are sending me currently sending me dog pictures, which is really nice. <laughs> and I love that. <laughs> um, and also when people get our inside jokes, that's also awesome. Yeah. Um, there's a, a study going around. A couple of data analysts are, have d- been tracking this. Um, and Sean McVay's offenses statistically yearly – 
show regression through this month. Um, statistically, they also have picked back up near the end, but yearly have shown regression. Um, one of the things that has been interesting is because, and I suspect in part because of some of the things that they were able to do in the run game previously, and because of some of the things they were doing with play action previously, the contrast has not been as stark because the highs weren't as high and the lows weren't as low. Mm -hmm. So the contrast this year is extremely stark in the discrepancy between in sort of this mid-season regression that has, and that's why people are now surfacing it and paying more attention to it because it was it was noticeable in that the regression, the highs kept getting lower and lower and lower and lower as time passed. And so then the lows, you, you found the floor and you could never quite find the ceiling again. Now, this is interesting because it started so positively and then the the regression has been so stark over the last three right. games by Matthew Stafford right. that people were like, well, what's that? You know, Sean, don't McVay's offense is always kind of stall in, in November, December. And that's true, statistically true. Fact two and a half is Sean McVay also has a, a pretty poor record when trailing at halftime. I, I agree with you, Jordan. And I can't, in addition to the, um, to the, to the decision that that's analytically the right way to do it. Like, I'll be honest with you, like from a, just from being intellectually honest, like I can't criticize the guy for doing it. I mean, I've been one of the people and, and, you know, you have two who are saying, Hey, you got to be aggressive in these situations. You got to go for it. So for me to then sit there and say, Oh, you should punt in that situation. I, I just, I can't do it. Like I, I understand people who are going to argue against it. And I don't, I, you, you're certainly bringing up fair points and, and you can say that you should punt there, but like, Hey, you know, I've been on this guy to, to you know, make those aggressive plays to, to do it when the analytics say you should do it. So I'm not going to sit here and, and say, don't do it in that situation. I agree with you. I'm, I am as, as uh, I can't remember Steve Weish uh, from NFL network. I forget what his hashtag was, but like, it was like sneak the damn ball or something oh, like yeah. that. I, I am very much team sneak the damn ball. Um, so, but that's my general philosophy on. But I just I can't. Like I, I understand if you want to criticize the McVeigh play the, the McVeigh decision on that. Excuse me. Then then I am totally fine with that. But I just I just couldn't do it. And now back to you, Jordan. Yeah, there, there. No, and and you know what? There's actually a really interesting cycle. I won't get into it because that's that's a whole other conversation for another time. One conversation I'm hoping at some point hoping to have with certain people in that building because I think it's really important. Like sometimes and just as a, a sort of cognitive bias, you know, toward a building that's trying to unpack these sorts of things and their decision-making processes. Um, you have a, a, a negativity bias because if a play fails on fourth down, then you lump, as a human being, you naturally lump mm. in the decision as also bad. That's mm. what your brain naturally does right. um, biologically. It, did, it, it didn't lumps work, the so it together. was a bad decision. That's why Twitter is so successful, because one thing can only be true at one time. Exactly. Um, but really, what it what it actually is is that the decision can be correct, specifically situationally, analytically. Like it can be correct. Um, you know, Matthew Stafford loved the decision actually to go for it. The play call can also be terrible because that's when human error enters into the equation. Right. So that's right. where that's where the separation. Okay. So the fact two and a half. So you mm -hmm. have that first of all, which is um, 
one part of this. The uh, you have the uh, uh, Sean McVay sort of November regression offense. You also have his record when trailing at halftime, mm-hmm. seven and twenty-two. Ooh, it's worse than so. I what I what I would just say is when you're talking about looking inward in the bye week and all that stuff, like there is something to be said about how deeply you are uh, looking at your own adjustment-making process and whether you're doing things that feel right because they were right or being proactive in your decision-making process um, and problem-solving in a way that is asserting and not reacting. And that's where I'll, that's where I'll leave you on that, Rich. Yeah, no, exactly. And I, I was just flipping through it. I, w- I was hoping you were going to talk for about 10 seconds longer because I'm, I'm actually flipping uh, through my book because I, I don't recall. I was looking to confirm my own my own bias, but I don't believe there's been a game out of the 11 uh, this year that the Rams have won after trailing at halftime or lost after. Well, I know they haven't lost after leaving after they've halftime. Had a, they've had a game winning drive. I do know that. I remember that. Remember Matthew Stafford. We were trying to figure out one earlier in the year. A game-winning drive. They did have a game-winning mm-hmm. drive, but I don't remember right. specifically what it was at halftime. No, I, I don't think. I just flipped through it, so I, I don't think there's been one. And and yeah. that is, that's, that's a telling stat because you're... That's pretty telling to me. It is, yeah. So, well, Jordan, nothing. A few things heal all wounds like the Jacksonville Jaguars. So uh, they will be coming to town. Uh, on, don't uh, jinx it. Yeah, well... Yeah, you never know, I guess. Uh, but, uh, you know, interesting stretch here. I mean, it's and, and uh, these next three weeks because you uh, then are looking at the Arizona Cardinals after that. And then you're looking at a at a team that I've been looking at, at my out of my side eye at for the last uh, 90 minutes, which is the Seattle Seahawks, who uh, I guess we'll be able to see how this turns out. But uh, on, they're on their way to three and eight right now if, if this result holds up. So uh, the you fight know, and run. Rivera's are doing it again. They are, yeah. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't really been watching this too, too closely, but uh, but I mean, th- these are going to be three games here that uh, are, are really going to define. Uh, and and now's the time. Like you cannot. There's there's no longer a time to wait. There's no more bye week. Uh, it's it's hit the ground running. So uh, fascinating to see how they're going to bounce back here, Jordan. And uh, I know that you are all over it, as always at The Athletic, on our app, on our website. Fantastic coverage. I know we've told everybody to check out your column already, but uh, they should certainly do that because nobody is on this stuff the way that Jordan is. And if you're not already a subscriber, or by the way, we never point this out, Jordan. And since it's the holiday season, if you are a subscriber and maybe you want to gift a subscription to somebody special in your life who doesn't know about all these wonderful things that Jordan writes and talks about, you can go to theathletic.com slash 11 personnel, sign up for yourself, sign up for a friend, sign up for 10 friends if you want. And if you'll do so, you will get Jordan's favorite thing in the entire world, which is what? A great discount, you guys. <laughs> you know, my favorite thing in the entire world, which is a great discount. If you missed our uh, Black Friday deal for new subscribers, which I'm sad for you if you did miss, um, but... Just so you know, anytime you subscribe to The Athletic through the 11 Personnel Podcast, you get my favorite thing in the world, which is a great discount. You get it every single time, and you don't even have to tell the people you're gifting it to. 
that you got a great discount until they start listening to this podcast, and then they will know. <laughs> you, you, but you don't have to tell them right away. And right. Um, yeah, and honestly, like uh, people love this. People love this kind of thing for the holidays, and uh, not just the the receive the recipient of the gift, but also the giver. It's very, uh, it's a very simple thing to accomplish if you're trying to figure out what that special sports fan in your life most wants, besides less turnovers by the Rams football team. Um, Rich, it's always a pleasure um, breaking things down with you. I know we went a little long today, you guys. I think we, like everybody, had a little catharsis to get out. Um, We really love talking sort of at you guys, but we love talking to you as well. So make sure you're tweeting at us. Um, Make sure you're giving your feedback, giving us reviews in our app um, or in uh, the the Apple podcast um, review space. We always love hearing from you, and uh, we're hoping to to catch you next week and for many weeks after that, but it's going to be on the Rams to decide that one. So you guys take care. Bye.